0: The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest.
1: This week on The Open Nesters podcast, a panel discussing sex, sensuality, and aging with four incredible guests. This is part one.
2: So studies have shown that the the classification that most frequently has an orgasm is guess what straight men <laughs> no surprise because they designed the definition of sex in our culture so the definition of sex by our standard narrative is intercourse right everything else is foreplay and so even if you have dryness in your vagina from your age you know and you can't take hormones or whatever There's still so many things you can do to be sexy.
0: This week, the panel is four amazing women that I have been so fortunate to collect and be part of this discussion on sex and aging. One of them, Sumity so Sparks, is an open relationship coach that's in one of our earlier interviews, the open relationship coach. Lori Handler is a professional about to release on her sexuality teaching an um, author of Sex and Happiness After Sixty is about to come out and she's of extraordinary lover retreats that she does. Urell is a teacher extraordinaire from many different backgrounds and you'll get to hear her perspective and she gives us such a deep insight and she's a dear friend, as well as my other dear local friend, Joyce Saltman or Dr. Joyce Saltman, who is a professor of special ed, but she's been a comedian and been talking about sex and aging in her comedy circuit for years.
1: Yes, I would love to hear Joyce once again special joyce she is really funny with incredible sense of humor and so much to share about this uh, sex and aging panel so let's hear it
0: welcome to the open nesters podcast my friends and experts and colleagues lori and sumity and Yurel and joyce thank you for Joining us today, they're all shaking their heads because I just told them I never did a panel in my life, and we're doing a sex and aging panel. So we are excited to have fun with you guys, and and the people that are here are such beautiful embodied human beings in different ways around their sex and aging. And you can read all about them in our blog, on our podcast website, and in the posts and podcast notes as well as find interviews about them because each of them have been in an interview with me on separate interviews. So their bios will be here. So you'll hear all about them. So I'm going to ask Lori Handler's first on this panel because she had a, a book that, that kind of had some of the shaping in my life called Sex and Aging and a new book coming out called Sex, sorry, Sex and Happiness. Sex and Happiness, Over 60s coming out. So Lori, why do... People, I mean, why do we have to talk about sex and aging period? Let's just start with the basics. What do you think? Give us your uh, we have
3: to because our cultures are not set up to support people aging past 50. So people have this idea in their mind that when they turn 50, or what women have when they hit menopause and men, if they know about andropause, they don't all know about it. But if they knew about it, they think that at the time that they hit this age, that they're going to just dry up. <laughs> and the fact is that our hormones do change, It start, they start changing just before menopause called perimenopause. And then they change a lot during menopause. And so things, our bodies go through physiological changes. And if we're not aware of it, then we buy into the cultural narrative that says, you're, that's it, you're over the hill. Now, some people are happy about it. There are people who are in like terrible marriages and they go, good, I don't have to sleep with that guy anymore (laughs) that I call my husband. But um, for the most part, we all still need the cocktail that goes into our brains when we are sexually aroused. And that cocktail consists of oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, and I always forget the fourth. I'll think of it. Norepinephrine? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. or i forgot norepinephrine yes but that's something else any dopamines i don't know if i said that anyway they um we need that our brains need that to function healthily and that really only happens we can get serotonin if we run or we play tennis or swim or what have you but i pr- personally prefer sex to jogging. So (laughs) I'm just saying (laughs) we need it. And we need to know that, that we're viable. Um, There are more people at over 50 right now because of the baby boomers than there ever have been before in the history of anyone, anytime. Plus people are living longer. And so we need to know that we can look forward to having our bodies the way we like them, the way we appreciate them, the way we, the way we feel about ourselves. so I'm against dressing my age. I'm against acting my age. I'm against anything that the culture has told me that's going to happen to me because I'm supposed to dry up over 50. I'm 74 and I'm happy to be me. And yes, I have some challenges physically, but um, sex isn't one of them. Sex is a great thing to keep having. So we have to talk about it so that people know that there isn't this doom when they turn 50. There's no doomsday to look forward to. They can just keep having a wonderful life. They may have to have their hormones adjusted called um, bioidentical hormones. It's not everyone could take them, but everyone who can take them, I I think they should.
0: And and some uh, of us need to slow down. I mean, slowing down is beautiful. So I have been loving my slowing down in my sexual needs. Um, was, uh, so would anybody else like to contribute on this particular question? I Su- could. Somebody?
2: Yeah, I just wanna dovetail on the cultural narrative thing. Um, there's a lot of talk lately about the orgasm gap. So studies have shown that the the classification that most frequently has an orgasm is, guess what? Straight men, <laughs> mm-hmm. no surprise, because they designed the definition of sex in our culture So the definition of sex by our standard narrative is intercourse, right? Everything else is foreplay, right? And there's like these bases. You're going to get to, you know, first base, second base, home run. It's all designed to be focused on the act of intercourse. And so no wonder women aren't having orgasm as often as men, if that's the ultimate thing that we're all supposed to look forward to. Not, Not every woman has an orgasm from intercourse. And so there's so many different ways to, ha- to have sex. And so even if you have dryness in your vagina from your age, you know, and you can't take hormones or whatever, there's still so many things you can do to be sexy. So I just want to add that, that, you know, we can step outside that narrative. And I think as we get older, we don't give a shit as much about what we're supposed to do, you know, and, and we can, many women have come to me who have never had an orgasm and they're over 50 because they were just going along with what they thought they were supposed to do. And they're learning, really, to explore their bodies for the first time
3: when they're older.
0: Lori, I know that you've worked with women that way, too, and men, correct? You have to take your I do.
3: I, I work with older people. Um, my, right now, my oldest alive student is 83. And she's awesome. And she has, like, female ejaculation orgasms. She writes poetry and has orgasms. She's, she's hot. <laughs> she's definitely hot. And men, uh, lots of men also. And we talk about, uh, one of the things in Tantra is talking to men about the fact that if they can't get full erections anymore, uh, soft insertion is a whole nother option. If they want to have insertion. You know, like there are so many other options. And also men who have had their prostates removed. Um, there's plenty of options for them too. Thank
0: you, and Urel. I know that that hot sex is a big topic in your life, so I'd love you to give us a little background that gives us like this, which I love. With a lot of the Open Nesters podcast we talk about polyamory and 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 bisexuality and the idea that we can open the spectrum as we age to new things that create a hotness in our lives. So I wanted you to you know kind of catch us up with that because I feel like you've been exploring that as I know for the last number of years, and I'd love to. Get your input on how your sexual experience has been changing over the years and communicating your. Needs.
4: Well, I'd love to quickly um, respond at least a little bit to what Laurie and Samanti had mentioned in regards to some of the things that we think of culturally. Um, the decolonization in the cultural norms are constantly clashing. Because it's always been something rather normal, it seems like, in many groups of color, though it's not exactly talked about. It really depends on which group. Um, In my Latino background, you know, there wasn't necessarily a conversation, but that's this joking about and around sex is common language among. Um, all adults that it was just normal for children to hear. So there's a normalization that exists and it actually surprised me within my working environment when I've been with a group of women and usually I'm the only person of color and I'm very surprised by the conversation when it does come to sex, that there are uh, comments about, Oh no, I, I keep the lights off. I don't want to be seen or, you know i just wanted to get over there is i in my interaction with many white women it has been very conservative and rather um rather hesitant rather than a, in a beautiful open now i have been a swinger for over 20 years um with my the nesting partner and we met our other partners through the same lifestyle. But the connection came from our comfort in that sexuality and knowing that there's a difference between our relationship and sex itself and its enjoyment and everything that goes with it. And then you have that added element. So um, I guess... Tessa, in response to to your question in terms of my life choices, there's a lot of intersectionality. There is a grieving point, I can tell you, and hopefully we'll get into this um, as we continue this conversation, but I'm in a grieving transition. In other words, I I no longer feel what I used to feel. I no longer respond in the same way. And, and it makes me a little sad at times. But I'm also much more secure in what I'm looking for. For example, I'm not interested in younger men because I don't feel like teaching. You know, I I want people to know, you know, how to respond. Uh, The same thing with women. I don't need the hesitancy. I don't need the uh, bi curious. No, either you're interested in women or not, because that's where the beauty, once you remove all of those layers, sex is beautiful. And I, of course, hope to be your age, Lori, and continue because it is part of our emotion. It's our expression. It's our movement.
0: Thank you so much. Lori, Laura, Laura, you were raising your hand yet to, about that particular thing, or because I'd like to move on to ask. No, I was
3: cheering. Things. This is, cheering cheering, like I was cheering, cheering. okay I don't so we are te-
0: cheering that exactly thank you you that really gave us a lot of distinction and i think it. when we're when when we're in one world we we know what we know and we don't know what we don't know and it's such a a, a a simple message that we don't listen to enough to find new voices and get out of our own programming so i'm sure i know somebody you've worked with a lot of different people different about not just orgasm and how they change and achieving it but the, the sexuality as a culture being programmed to think that only youth is sexy. And, and then as we become women, how you've been adapting to that kind of the change for yourself and for the women you work with. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: well, yeah, I can say something about that. As I went through menopause and learned that my hormones weren't running the show anymore, which is a relief in a way, right? Kind of miss that drive being as intense, but it really allows me to step back and make better choices that I used to make. (laughs) You know, I have control over who I get connected with now. And I found that there's five things that I need to kind of kickstart my sex drive. Do you want to hear what they are? Sure. Be brief about them. Okay. One is seduction. So like, I want my lovers to send me a text and tell me what they're going to do to me later tonight or next, you know, whenever we're going to have our date again. Um, I want the seduction. I just don't want like, hey, you want to fool around? You know, that's <laughs> not going to do it for me anymore. Um, so, seduction is one. Um, another is newness. And so, you know, I'm an open relationship coach, so I like new lovers. Or even if you're, um, you go to a, a swinger party or a play party with your mate. Even if you're monogamous, you can still go to a party and just play with each other and experience a new, exciting adventure by watching or. You know, even like playing side by side with another couple that you like. So just having that new energy into a long-term relationship can really ignite it. Um, The third one is to experience something outside your comfort zone. Well, a swinger party might be that, but also like maybe a kink, like maybe try bondage or, um, you know, flogging or, you know, who knows, like take a class, get a book, watch a video, learn some kink stuff and try some things with your partner or partners and um, kind of you know, wake yourself up out of your normal way of being sexy. Um, The next one is um, something that worked for me is making a homemade video that I don't, we know we're not going to share with anyone else. It's just for us. And for some reason, that is really hot to watch it back with your partner. I don't know why, but it just really does it for me. It's really beautiful to watch myself knowing that no one else is going to see it. And um, I, I'm forgetting the fifth one right now, but when it comes back to me later, you know, we're all over, well, I'm I, over 60, so the memory is going.
0: <laughs> this, is but, so, this is so fun. So I, I mean, I actually want to say something and then go into a, my, my 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 question to Joyce, because she's been living with a husband equivalent and she's a riot about sex and aging. But so many this made me think of the, I think on your fourth one or third one, both. As someone experiments with going somewhere public and they're getting older and they have self-consciousness around that, I think, it, it, I think it's something that we, that we need to spend the time at home with ourselves to really accept where we are or to accept seeing ourselves on video. And, and that comes from that slow, beautiful kind of integration of looking at yourself, loving yourself from where you are, aging with, with acceptance. And you know, I just wanted to make sure that people know that there are plenty of ways to get answers for that as well.
2: Yeah, I'll let other people answer that too. But I've found that I let myself be reflected in other people because I don't see it myself. I judge myself harshly. But when my friends and lovers say I'm beautiful, I just take that in and say they wouldn't be saying that. They don't have to say that. So if they see me as beautiful, great. I'll just let that be true. (laughs) But I want to hear how the other women deal with that.
0: Well, that is a a good question. Lori, what about you on that? I wanted
3: to say that the very first time I went to hedonism, in Jamaica which is a, a clothing optional swinging resort I I think I was probably 66 and I was worried about being the oldest person there and that I wasn't um, I was pleasantly surprised to see quite a few seniors hanging out at the pool there at the nude pool. I also at 67 posed for a, a naked centerfold shot in a women's magazine and I remember it's called sentient. It only didn't have too many, um, too many issues. But um, I remember when the editor said to me, we'd like you to be the centerfold of this magazine. And how old are you? <laughs> I said, 67. <laughs> and she said, Oh, my God. And then I remember, you know, friends from all over the world buying a copy of this magazine that I posed in. So I, I feel like it's a, you know i've kept my body really good but it's not what it was and i just feel like we have to be kind to ourselves like just kind to ourselves other people are much kinder to us than we tend to be when we look in the mirror so i i second that
0: well actually joyce had a funny thing in the interview that i had with her about She's, you're kind to yourself, but you cover yourself up when you go from one place to the other because of the big mirror. I remember this story you told. Do you, do you want to get into your little bit of your new husband equivalent and getting back to sex, please, for us, please? Well,
5: that was I was talking about nakedness, and I do not have a good body. And one of the hopeful things is that you hope that everything droops at the same time, which unfortunately, obviously, does not happen, especially not for a triple D, And I must admit that I was a little concerned that I would never be willing to get involved with another guy after my husband died, because I didn't want anybody else to see me naked. (laughs) So the good thing is, Eddie is also chubby. So we have two chubby bodies, and they work very well together. So that's no problem. But I did explain, um, I do have in (laughs) in each of my bathrooms, I'm a compulsive showerer. And I have in each of my bathrooms, you know, like a little vanity with drawers that most people have toothpaste and everything. The bottom drawer in each one of these is filled with bras and underpants. And people say, why do you want to have that in the bathroom instead of in the bedroom where the rest of the clothes is? But it's very obvious that when I come out of the shower and I dry myself, I can then put on a bra and pants before I have to walk past the full length mirrors. (laughs) <laughs> so it makes me feel better. I no one else has to be concerned about this, but I like much better seeing myself with something raising what's supposed to be raised and holding in what's supposed to be held in. By the way, I am 79 and, and two weeks ago I turned 79. And I don't have any problem with thinking, you know, where you, you were talking about Lori early on about not wanting to act your age or dress your age. I am happy to act how how I believe. I am supposed to be acting because that's who I am. And when people look at me, this is what 79 looks like. I mean, I think that you know, for us to kind of change the view of how people should act or talk or what they should say, (laughs) I'm a special ed professor. And I will tell you that I am meeting students that I've had 50 years ago when I first started teaching. And some of my students will tell me different things that they remember. And most often they will say to me, Joyce, I'll never forget that first night of class when you told me that you specialized in teaching FUBB kids. And of course, for people who are not in special ed, you would not know that that stands for, in my world, fucked up beyond belief. These are kids with severe emotional problems, behavior problems, not just learning disabilities and you know stuff like that. But people are remembering that kind of thing. So I want people to remember something a little bit unusual and that yes, this woman was 79 and she still says these kinds of things and acts these kinds of ways. And that would obviously also transfer to relationships.
0: I anyway, know. I love what you said about, about the cover. The truth is I love myself naked, but sometimes, and actually often I love putting on beautiful things to see myself with too. So I think, the, the reflection on how we want to see ourselves can change and we can just try new things. It's all about being playful and curious. And I think that's what I love about a lot of this panel. I know all of you are you're you had something in this area too, about you seeing yourself. And
4: Oh, I think that the message coming from all the ladies is, is wonderfully positive. And that's exactly what we need to hear constantly. And yet at the same time, I would challenge and counter that I believe our our younger counterparts feel many times judged. So we have an older generation, the I would say forty and up, that we finally realize, wait a second, I really can do what I want, you know, And you start questioning society societal norms. My favorite question is, says who? Yet, we, say certain things that has an insinuation of judgment. Oh, is this what you do? Or is this how you dress? And so on and so forth. And so the message I think gets somehow mixed up in terms of what am I supposed to do as I age? And uh, one of my favorite books, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to be having a a book talk on it um, in a couple of weeks, is The Menopause Manifesto, because not only does it offer research, but it also gives us some sex ed as well as body education past puberty. You know, what is it that our bodies are going through rather than societal rules that we need to follow due to what age and stage and what how we're identified as millennial, Gen Z, whatever. I we tend to put so many labels in those labels, then pigeonhole us. But I think that because of that, any messages that we hear from anyone else, it's, oh, well, you're judging me then. So it's, I think we are in a good space, but I'm calling all of us to put that space out there, especially for our younger generation to say, it's okay to speak your truth. It's okay to do whatever the heck you want.
0: Right. It doesn't have to be just about getting older. We need to be the role models of that being life to do that. And I, and I love, I love that statement. And, um, and Sumadi, you have something to add to that?
2: Yeah. Um, I just want to say one of the best things about getting older is dating older people. (laughs) And so when I'm judgmental about my body, I just think about the incredible lovers I have today, the beautiful people that I'm connected with. I have so much love and amazing sex in my life. That's connected. That's connected mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and genitally. You know, it's the whole package, and I would never go back to that earlier sex that was primarily genitally focused. This best sex life I've ever had. Best quality people I'm involved with. So what? What my body looks like? If I look 25 again, that's not going to make my life any better. It's awesome. So, <laughs> so that reminds an example. me. I
0: love to get into the real. People have been saying, you know, Tessa, speak a little more about the actual sexual things that you feel that are not just about intercourse. So, somebody, if you want to. Um, give well, us briefly yeah uh,
2: so may- maybe some of you have heard about the sexual blueprints the erotic blueprints erotic it's blueprints. called erotic blueprints so there's five different kinds there's energy sensual sexual um, kink and a shapeshifter who kind of moves among all of them and so I had this lover recently who's very much on the energetic scale so and that's the thing I forgot to say of the five things that kickstart my sex drive which is tantra or any kind of energy work, breath work, you know, working on the ethereal level. So he is so into the energy of making love. And intercourse usually happens in our lovemaking session, but it's like an encore at a great concert. Like you could go home early to beat traffic and still enjoy the concert and miss the last couple songs and be fine. But if you stay for the last couple songs, you're like, oh, yeah, those were great songs. So that's kind of how I feel with him. Like it's such a beautiful experience with the energy I feel so like it's it's like a multi multidimensional lovemaking where there's this he's like this shaman who just takes me to these places and then add, you know, orgasm and genital stuff to that, too. It's just kapow. You know? So that's one example.
0: And if you guys want to actually see this done in person on our audience, go to sex, love and goop really teaches about that and you yeah. can visualize and see Jaya who came up with the erotic blueprints do that. And Laurie, I know there's a lot of stuff around tantra in your book, and you call your your man a shaman too. I just so just to relate to that, did you want to add to that?
3: Uh, yeah. Well, one I wanted to say before, uh, just earlier to Yurale, that um, like I am still in the business of doing retreats and workshops, and I work with younger. P- I work with people like pretty much from 23 to 70 something on a like. I hate to say but like at least once or twice a month like groups of 40 50 people stuff like that so they all call me their role model they all say they want to grow up to be just like me and i i stop it when they say i'm their tante or grandma like i say don't when you're giving me acknowledgments i'm not a grandma don't give me that acknowledgement like i'm not your grandma so um i just want to say that um, <laughs> Yeah, the, the person I have I met when I was sixty eight, shocking. I met him at a one taste event, which is orgasmic meditation. Um, turns out to be twenty one years younger than me. I didn't. I'm not really into younger men these days either. But this happened, and the first time we ever made love, I can I use the f word on here? Is okay, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, so the first time we ever made love, I said to him, you fucked me like you meant it. And he said, I did mean it. And I said, where did you learn to touch a woman the way you learned? I've been with all Tantra guys, they eye gaze, we breathe, whatever, but no one's ever touched me the way you've ever touched me. And he said, I Googled it. <laughs> and I just... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he I, I feel like he's very, very shamanic. I visit the void often when we're engaged in lovemaking from a touch. And, um, and I just sometimes say, you know, how did it feel to be Captain Kirk? You were just steering the Starship Enterprise and I was out there going like seeing the moon and the stars and the planets and everything else. So I think that's a very good uh, description shaman, and he feels this too, uh, shaman rather than hunter. We're tired of men who are hunting women, or anyone who's hunting women, like we're tired of the hunt. We and so to 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 put down the sword and the weapon that's like we're like animals to be hunted and to say no, I have, I've done the work, I put in the time to study. I went to my own teachers and masters. I found out how to do it. I Googled it. And then, uh, to, and then to show up as some a shaman holding space for the feminine is, uh, I think, is, I, I, to me, it's a high calling. I, and I, I, I would love to feel like more people in male bodies would do that. I know they don't much talk about sex at all. I always thought they talked in the locker room. I always thought they talked about us. No, they would just say, did you did you get laid? Yeah. How was it good? They never talked about anything.
0: (laughs) Well, I think the United States is so, you know, Puritan with not talking about sex anyway. That's why this is such an important discussion. And, And and I and I don't want anybody to feel intimidated by that. If you don't know a lot of Tantra, you don't know energy work yet. You know, sexuality and all orgasms are all great, as well as I mean, that's what my feeling is that I also have explored with my lover, and it's interesting. I didn't realize all of us were, except for Joyce, and I want to talk about that. Non-monogamous, and but Lori, you've probably gone in and out of uh, ethical non-monogamy or consensual. Now you're monogamous. I'm monogamish. Monogamish. What does that mean?
3: Yeah. So (laughs) I'm. Look, I met someone who meets me, and I feel the same way. I don't want to go into uh, a situation. I was always teaching in bed, and that's like there's nothing that bores me more now. So I'm pretty much – I lost interest in all the other people I was seeing after I met Michael. I just lost interest in them, and he doesn't really have an interest in going to Hedo or – Whatever, because he's chubby, so he doesn't he doesn't have an interest in going to play parties and stuff. That it's that's too risky for him.
0: So, so I I love the idea that we can have this erotic blueprint. I think it gives us a great framework, and we're not going to go more into that yet. But I do think that we sometimes just love sex and the, the the patterns and 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 showing up for sex. And I know Joyce, you had something to say about that, so I wanted to just go into. What you did tell us on one of the podcasts, if you want to reiterate or we can go back to it, kind of you have a ritual in the morning because it connects you. It's your only time that you actually connect with your and you just tell us how you came up with the name of what you call your most recent <laughs> monogamous man. <laughs> You're your right. Monogamous
4: together.
5: Uh, first, I do want to say the major reason why I am not polyamorous is not that I have anything against it as a concept, but I am an incredibly possessive person. And the whole nature of sharing anybody, me or the other person, really, I, I'd i have to get a lot of training. <laughs> I am a psychotherapist, but that would not help me. Okay, so having said that, <laughs> um, Eddie and I have, and he, I refer to him as my HE, because when he writes on, you know, when you go to the doctor's office, and they say, who should we contact in case of an emergency? And he puts my name, and then it says relationship. And he puts mistress <laughs> <laughs> and I have explained, of course, I can't be his mistress because he is not married, obviously. However, I needed another name. And the partner implies either work related or somehow um, homosexual relationship. Um, the, the, um, I remember a long time ago from New York, uh, New York Magazine had Pasal Q persons of opposite sex sharing living quarters. You remember that one? A little so bit cute. ridiculous, right? <laughs> um, the the other that's a boyfriend for a 79-year-old. I mean, give me a break. So I had to come up with something and I said, he is my husband's equivalent. So I wrote a whole thing about an H-E, which makes perfect sense. He We live together. We make love together. We eat together. We go places together. We have friends, you know, social relationships together. He does his thing. I do my thing the rest of their life, just like everybody else does. So I thought that was an appropriate title.
0: And your sex life was Uh, dormant until you started again with this HE, right? Well,
5: my husband who had died had had a stroke a year and a half before. So I will admit that when I, I was speaking at a conference in San Diego, and the people knew me because it's the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, and I recommend to all of you, it's a great organization if you want to put out your information in a format that people who believe solely in passing love and joy and humor around the world, this is a really unusual group of therapists, doctors, teachers, nurses. I mean, just an unusual group of helping people who really believe in joy and humor. But I got up, uh, I was giving an an address at this conference and I opened up with, I just want you to know I have not had an orgasm in a year and a half. (laughs) And that the only way I now have orgasms is when someone tells me a joke I've never heard before. So I have to admit to you, that for the rest of the four days of that conference, everybody who knew me came over during that weekend to tell me jokes, to hope they would find one that I never heard before. And they did, but it's not appropriate for this podcast because it doesn't match the topic. But I did learn a new joke. And when I meet some of you in real life, you remind me to tell you the joke that I heard in San Diego at our conference. But um, Eddie and I have come upon what I think is a great, format for me. All right. We get up in the morning. I get up at usually about 5:30, 6. I put on the TV just to watch the news because I never watch it later in the day because it can only depress you. Right. I then get out of bed. I come in, I do my emailing, I send out happy grams, I answer everybody who's written to me. I do the things I have to do. And at eight o'clock he wakes up. It's like he has an alarm clock in his head. Eight o'clock, he wakes up He comes into my little office, which is where I am right now at my computer, and I stand up and we give each other a hug. And then he'll say to me, are you ready for a shower? And the two of us take a shower together and we bathe each other and we bubble each other. And I love the days that we're shampooing because the the lather from shampoo, there is nothing better than washing with the lather from shampoo. So that's wonderful. And when we get out, we get back into bed. And all of my friends know that I will take the phone off the hook as soon as we come out of the shower, so that I will not be disturbed. And at that time, I get my part of that is I get 20 minutes of conversation. And he is definitely a very introverted person who doesn't like chattering a lot. And I am clearly not. (laughs) in that model, to say the least. So I get 20 minutes of talking about whatever's going on in the world or with us or with where we're going or doing. And then we get more serious and we fool around. And happily, he is 76 and pills still mostly work for him, not every day, but often enough. And the things that he does to me, I am always orgasmic. And if he is not orgasmic, he is very happy because I am taking care of his parts and he is taking care of my parts and we are taking care of each other. And when we get up and get dressed, we have started the day in a blissful way and the rest of the day will take care of itself.
0: So good. So good. So, yes, Lori. Question. Tessa. Uh
3: Yeah. Joyce, the last time you and I spoke, you two had separate apartments. And I also had separate, I lived in my house and my partner lived in his own apartment. We had that in common the last time we talked about this. And I'm wondering if COVID changed that for you because COVID changed that for us. Like uh, it, it came too crazy and we just decided to live together. It was very scary.
5: Well, we only lived, well, we lived in separate places when we first started going out. Okay. When he then moved in with me, we got along mostly and not totally, and I remember very clearly we broke up for two months and he went back to his place in Bridgeport and I was living in Florida and we had agreed to remain friends and talk to each other every night at 10 o'clock. And at 10 o'clock at night, I, one night I said to him, well, tell me something, is your life better with me or without me? And he said, both. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, my life is better with you because I really love being with you. And my life is better without you because no one is trying to change me. (laughs) So we are now living together, except for those two months. We've been together for basically two and a half years. Our anniversary will be September 24th. And I am no longer trying to change him because... As a Jewish person, I know it's not going to help me to keep hitting my head against the wall. (laughs) Many other options in those areas. So he is not going to change. So I am accepting the things that I really enjoy about him. And I am trying to fill in the rest of what I'm looking for in the world with my friends and activities and teaching and the like. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Yurel and I uh, haven't heard from you for a bit. I know that when we talked about what kind of questions you would ask like spicing up our sex life and going out dancing, what are some of the things that you feel like you're doing to keep yourself vital at this stage of life and and how how has it even changed since what I know you used to dance I met you dancing. So, yeah,
4: that's how we met, dancing. That's right. Found me on the dance floor and you cornered me and said I need to know you. That's right. It's, it's been a, a beautiful relationship ever since. It is. Um, I am living my best life. Simple as that. Traveling whenever we have an opportunity. Uh, My biggest uh, pleasure at the moment for the past year, maybe more than a year, are cigars. I'm not a regular smoker, but enough to uh, explore the different flavors and then go to different places. And what's wonderful about that is that I introduced... I shouldn't say introduced. She was aware of cigars, not a big fan of cigarettes, but because of my joy that she started enjoying it and oh, then my sure. other partners right. do.
0: Okay. So um, so you're give give the give you're in you're in a, a three way or whatever they call a V uh, relationship. We call
4: ourselves I a quad.
0: we are probably quite right. Okay.
4: We call ourselves a quad and at this right. moment we also call each other partners. I have my nesting partner and then I've got, they are nesting partners and we all come together. Um, We do everything that we can to remain connected. And that also includes when we go play with others to share. Now, everybody is different. For example, my sexuality is very intimate. In other words, when I connect someone, it's... Something that I it truly enjoy, I internalize it, and I don't like to share too, too much. While my other three partners, the two males and a, and a female, like to know, you know, details and it turns them on. And I give them just enough, but they also now respect that out of the four of us, I'm not the one to give as much detail. And it really depends on who it was I was with, Um, because i I am a lover. That's why I am in a I identify as polyamorous because I fall in love with people, and that love looks different depending on the kind of relationship uh, that I have. So with that, you know, we do talk about age. We all date in different age range, and we come together and we we share those moments and that's part of our enjoyment along with the cigar smoking along with the traveling and it's, and, and it's just so I think all of
0: you love to dance so
4: we do i you know what though Tessa we don't dance as much as i would love due to covid and how things have changed and the opportunities in terms of where we live so that's why it's no longer at the top of my list but music itself is always on the top. We all four of us have some sort of music on around us or connected. We are forever sharing songs that we like. When we, you know, we hear something on Spotify, immediately one of us will send the link to the group and we go to concerts. So you know, we talk about how sex looks different in depending on what. Well we've got, you know, especially if we have gone out and um, hooked up with someone outside of our quad. You know, that reconnection is amazing. You know, the what some people would call reclaiming. I am very much a we are individuals, but there is something about knowing that I've been with someone else and then I come back into another level of intimacy and bringing that together and them knowing that I've been with someone else. And kind of vice versa. It That's, you know, we talk about sexiness. That's part of the, the sexiness, that we have that freedom to be who we are, to be attracted to different types of people, and then bring it back and make those connections. And even maybe put it in there in terms of, oh, I learned a new technique. Um, and we do, unfortunately, talk about age. And I say, Unfortunately because I am trying to counter it says who that we can do what at our, or that we're supposed to feel this way. I recognize our bodies are slowing down. I'm, I'm going through menopause in terms of uh, surgical menopause. My body has changed in one year. Like it's never changed before. And my libido has dropped. And one of my partners, Mel asked me, well, you say that your libido dropped, but yet you know you you have dates and you know together and we together i said my libido dropped it didn't mean that it disappeared one and two i'm doing something about it i'm still connecting that does not mean that it's non-existent you can create that for you for yourself i should say and i i have a good time as a result and it looks different. Sometimes it's a little bit awkward, but that's part of the fun of it. Hey, kissing um, is
0: the sexiest thing in the whole world. Anyway. Oh, yes.
4: Well, if you have a good kisser, if you don't, then you yeah, got yeah,
0: yeah, to it. a <laughs> kisser.
1: Tessa, for your first panel, it's been incredible. You did a very good job coordinating between these women that have so much to say and so much to share about sex and aging.
0: I feel so lucky I know that I didn't. I'm not the panel expert, but I certainly felt like we had a good flow, and I thank them all so much. Thank each of you so much, because we will hear part two of this. We, we went about an hour and 40 minutes, so we decided to divide it into two. On this, on this section, I love how we talk a lot about the idea of what kickstarts our sex drive that uh, many mentions. It was... Five, you know, five of the things I wrote down because those those tend to be a lot of my things as well. So I'm I know that there are so many other like ways somebody some people don't need to be a a seduction and and the newness which newness I think everyone needs.
1: Yeah, the new relation energy, the NRE.
0: Yeah, NRE is about poly, but newness everyone needs if they're going to stay sexually vital in monogamy or with themselves, how to explore new things. So so I, I love how we covered that you know kink is new so
1: yeah well i wanted to also talk about uh, you know she talks about straight men having more orgasm uh, than women because they have one i guess one uh, template for what sex is all about which is the intercourse and i happen to agree with that i mean as i matured my sex drive has changed of course and as well as what really turns me on and i'm not anymore in the hunt of Trying to find another intercourse, I'm looking, you know, to that particular connection that really makes sex a lot, more a lot better, a lot better. And you know, those women were spot on when they talk about that.
0: I love, I love when Lori talks about how does it feel to be Captain Kirk? Like, you know, when you're a sh- when you're more of that, getting you into the cosmos rather than being a hunter. When a man has that intention, is so rich. And then, you know, the fact that Ural talks so much about being kind to ourselves and. And not, even if we don't respond in the same way, and you know, she also talks about if women are bi-curious, she doesn't want to be the one that has to teach them and, and not interested in younger men. I feel Correct. the same way about younger men. I really like the idea of aging in how we see a person who's wisening, who's, well, who's certain, in their body, certain
1: maturity that really lend itself to uh, an, an older crowd. And that's why they're feeling, they're feeling that they are enough from those games that you know, young boys or young men are actually playing.
0: Exactly. It's so, and that's why this, is, I think these this kind of discussion is so important and rich because sexuality is just not discussed in our society. So I'm really wanting to push the limits of how much we need to discuss it more.
1: I'm very pleased that we have another part of that, right, Tessa?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You have to stay tuned for, first of all, Joyce is just Joyce's jokes, which you have to stay tuned for for next week. But some other incredibly wise information about sexuality, so, sexuality, and aging.
1: So join us next week with part two of Sex and Aging right here on The Open Nesters podcast. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast platform and, of course, on our website, theopennesters.com, double N in the middle, S at the end. And we also have a, a Facebook. Well, program.
0: also do us a favor and subscribe. I mean, we really thank you for the fact that you've we've grown now to thousand downloads uh, uh, an episode. But w- the subscriptions help us know who's really listening. And so, if you'll subscribe, it would help us and get on our social media and Instagram with the Open Nesters, Facebook with the Open Nesters, and and please share with your friends if you think that they can learn yeah. something as well.
1: Yes, please. Until next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode.
0: Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Krohn. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web Design and Blogs, P.J. Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email Tessa at theopennesters.com.